Welcome to the new WellMed Radio, a service of WellMed Medical Management. Over the next half hour, WellMed Radio will educate you about the health and wellness of adults everywhere. Co-hosts Dr. Marissa Charles and veteran broadcaster and attorney Ron Aaron will share information to improve your health and well-being. Here are Ron Aaron and Dr. Marissa Charles. Well, thank you so much. I am Ron Aaron, and a delight uh, to work with Dr. Marissa Charles. She's board certified in family medicine. Is at the Women at Ingram Clinic, and we spend a lot of time talking about issues involving health and wellness, not only for seniors but for people all across of the age spectrum. And today we take on one that uh, affects everybody six months or so and older, and that's flu shots. I know with all of the concern about the uh, uh, COVID-19 pandemic, all the concern about will there be a vaccine for that? What do I do? What do I uh, need to do? Should I wait for it? Well, you got to wait for it because it's not here yet. Should I get a flu shot meanwhile? And the answer, yes, absolutely. Hi, this is Dr. Marissa Charles, and I'm here with Ron Aaron. And we're going to be talking about uh, getting your flu shots this season. Um, we're also going to be talking with one of my colleagues, Dr. Derek Young, who's here in San Antonio. Um, he is a board-certified family medicine physician and senior medical director for WellMed. He earned his medical degree and completed his family medicine residency at UT Health San Antonio, formerly University of Texas Health Science Center in San Antonio, Texas. So, hi. Welcome, Dr. Young. Thank you. Good to be here. It's great to have you on. Uh, did you grow up in this area? Now I'm a native Texan. I grew up in Beaumont, southeast Texas. Well, there you are. I placed your accent perfectly. I said to Marissa, <laughs> I love his accent. Maybe it's East Texas, and uh, Beaumont nails it. Cool. What brought you to San Antonio? Well, um, medical school brought me here, and then just the uh, love of San Antonio kept us here. So um, we were happy to raise our family here, so my wife and I love it here. Well, that's pretty cool. It is indeed almost... The flu shot season. Well, we used to say wait till September, but now there seems to be a lot more interest in getting folks uh, to get that flu shot even sooner. Uh, the concern, of course, is confusion that people are going to experience between the COVID-19 vaccine when and if that comes online and flu shots that are available now. Uh, what do you recommend to your patients, Dr. Young? Right now, we do hear a lot of uh, information about getting flu shots early, but really we want our seniors to, to not get them too soon, so we really want them to start getting their flu shots in September and really try to get those shots in by October. So because there is some um, immunity that, that tends to wane or lessens over time, especially for those who are six, 65 and older, so we do recommend them to start in September and try to uh, get them in by October. Uh, and the flu shot itself, uh, it's really a, a, a roulette wheel because uh, they try to guess which flu is going to come around every year. Sometimes they nail it, sometimes they don't. Probably too early to know how this year's shot's doing. Right. They're, they're going to, four strains that we use in the, the flu vaccine, uh, flu subax is what we use. So um, the nice thing about it is it is the most strains that you'll see in the flu shots, and they no longer use the three three strain shots. So, even if it doesn't match the strain exactly, we typically see some benefit with the flu shot. And for folks who are uh, sitting on, uh, you know, needles and wondering, well, <laughs> poor pun with the vaccine, but <laughs> worried about whether to get uh, a flu shot in case there is a COVID-19 shot, they're concerned about will they conflict with each other. No reason to believe they would, right? 
No, no reason, no reason at this time. Of course, they're still in development of that COVID-19 vaccine. So I'm sure as part of the research, they should be looking at potential interactions. So, Dr. Charles, this is, you know, go back to 411 on flu. Uh, we know every year pressure to get a flu shot. I, I get one every year. My whole family does. Uh, talk to me a little bit about flu. What does it do? How does it operate? It's a virus, right? Correct. So the influenza virus is, again, uh, a virus that can be contracted. We tend to see um, high fevers, um, symptoms that can last um, 7 to 10 or longer um, days. Um, we tend to see high fevers, cough, congestion, phlegm, sore throat, body aches, all coming together with that influenza virus. Um we do see deaths from flu every year, and even um, which is why we recommend that vaccine. Um, we were at first thinking that there could be a, um, a a protective, you know, or that that we wouldn't necessarily see people getting COVID and influenza at the same time. But we did see people that came up with those two infections towards the end of the flu season last year. So it is possible to get COVID even if you've had if you currently have the influenza virus. And so if you can imagine how difficult a COVID infection would be if you had influenza at the same time. That's a double whammy. The severity would be significantly more. Um, and so the concern for increased hospitalizations, increased uh, um, death rate from getting that influenza and then the COVID on top is very, very concerning. Now, Dr. Young, with the COVID uh, uh, flu uh, and, and the correlation between very serious illness, a difficulty with the lungs. We hear a lot about people who are being put on ventilators. Uh, if you get the regular flu, do you end up on a ventilator sometimes or not? That is possible. There is a chance, if, uh, especially for those who are 65 and older or may have other complications or other health, uh, underlying health conditions, they may are at higher risk of having those types of serious complications similar uh, to COVID-19, and pneumonia really is that most serious complication. So if you develop a serious pneumonia or complication from the flu, it is possible to wind up uh, being admitted to the hospital and on a ventilator. I've heard terrible things about ventilators. You don't want to be on one if you don't have to be, right? Correct. So, I mean, obviously ventilators do have a role, and many people are able to um, survive, you know, their infections with the help of the ventilator, but the people that end up on the ventilator are usually the most severely ill, and the des the risk of death um, is very high. And for folks who are uh, now debating whether to get uh, that flu shot, you mentioned people die from the flu. We're seeing extraordinary numbers of people dying uh, from COVID-19. Uh, both are killers. Absolutely, yes. And every year, you know, prior to this, we would see patients that would come in that would die in all age ranges. Um, here in the state of Texas, people that we know, patients that we had that passed away because of the influenza alone. So it's definitely um, something that the vaccine, although the vaccine doesn't necessarily prevent you from getting the influenza, it does help reduce the severity of the infection and uh, decrease the length of time that you're going to be ill with well, the influenza. Well, that's interesting. So you can still get it. Yes, you can still get it. But it won't be as bad. Definitely not. Which would be the theory, right? Absolutely. And there are also some medications that are out there that help stop that flu once you're diagnosed with it? Well, again, it's not necessarily going to cure it. Um, it may help reduce the length of the illness, and it may help reduce the severity of the illness. 
So um, instead of having a you know high fever for 10 days, maybe you're only going to have high fever for five days. So you'll still be ill, um, but if you start those antiviral medications, one in particular that's used is the Tamiflu that people may be familiar with. Um, but those also need to be started within the first you know day or two of, of illness. Also expensive. They can be expensive. It's worth not dying. Absolutely. <laughs> we think so. <laughs> yeah, no question. But again, you know, if you don't get that medication within the first couple of days, it's not going to do very much for you. Dr. Young, where you're practicing over at Wincrest, are you seeing patients at your clinic who have been tested positive for COVID-19 as well as flu? We've had COVID-19 positive cases, yes. As of yet, I'm not aware of a flu case now. Oh, not not but, yet this season. I don't think we've seen any flu cases just yet. But when COVID first started towards the end of last season. Which would have been uh, March. Like March, we were still seeing some positive flu cases. So, But this is not typically the, the, the flu season usually really gets rolling October, November, and is usually worse in December and January. And there's all kinds of debate about whether uh, temperature, weather, heat uh, can affect the flu uh, and or the COVID virus. It looks like it's not touching that uh, COVID virus. That little guy is pretty tough. It was 104 over the weekend. But still there are cases for the COVID. Right. Absolutely. Um, so, Dr. Young, as far as vaccinations that you recommend for your patients, um, especially in the majority of our age group, which is uh, our patients are often above 65, what are some of the other vaccines that you would recommend for them? So in addition to an annual flu shot, we want to make sure that they have a, a vaccine against uh, pneumococcal bacteria, which can cause pneumonia. Um, you know, before there were two vaccinations, or there are two vaccinations for that, uh, that we were recommending. Now we really want to make sure that we recommend the, the pneumococcal uh, 23 valent or the pneumovax, uh, in particular for patients who are 65 and older. And then there are some uh, who may benefit from the other one, which is called Prevnar 13. So... Those are the two available uh, pneumococcal vaccines, and you should at least have uh, the pneumovax, which is the 23-valent, and some will benefit from both. Now, as a, a side effect from COVID-19, pneumonia often follows. Do those vaccines help protect you from that? They definitely can help protect you from those type of, bac- uh, those type of bacteria pneumonias, which can complicate um, the COVID-19 and or uh, influenza. For Absolutely. Your, for your patients, uh, Dr. Charles, same Issue, same huh? recommendation, absolutely. So these are recommendations that we're getting from um, from the U.S. You know, these are um, countrywide recommendations. And there are others that you would recommend as well, mm-hmm. trying to think about. Uh, so we can talk a little bit about shingles vaccination. That's another infection. Um, I had the new vaccine and the old. And the old. So the, the new vaccine, which is the Shingrix vaccine, is um, one to two. It's actually a two-dose series right. that you have to get within two to six months. And that one you can start getting, um, is it at 50, Dr. Um, Young? I believe so. So starting at age 50, you can get that vaccine. And once you've got it, you don't have to get it again. So that's a one-time vaccination. That one hurt. That one, that I do hurt. get a lot of patients that say that their yeah, arm, arm stays sore for a little while. But again, it's worth it. Nobody wants shingles. So if you know anything about shingles, it's a very painful rash that can come to anybody who's had um, chicken pox. So it's I had an aunt who get it every once in a while. And I, I remember this is way back before there was uh, any vaccine. And she would complain about the incredible pain 
uh, that it would cause. She'd get along a, a nerve line in her face, and, oh, and it no. was just horrific. Absolutely. So again, it can happen on you know pretty much any part of the body, but um, it's a very very painful blistering rash that occurs. And then sometimes you um, you can have that infection more than once because I've had patients that come in and say, oh, I've already had a, a round of shingles. I don't need that one. Oh. And that's not true at all. You can continue to get shingles over and over. With, without the vaccine. That's with wild. or without the Ooh. vaccine, absolutely. All right, Dr. Young, stay with us. We're going to come right back to you. I'm Ron Aaron. Dr. Marissa Charles, our co-host, is here. You're listening to WellMed Radio on 930 AM, The Answer. You may be experiencing anxiety or stress regarding all the news about COVID-19 or what is commonly referred to as coronavirus. You are not alone. Optum is opening its emotional support helpline, providing access to specially trained mental health specialists. This is a toll-free number and it will be open 24 hours a day, seven days a week for as long as necessary. This is a free service. Anyone in need of emotional support is welcome to call. The number is 866-342-6892. That's 866-342-6892. One more time, 866-342-6892. Well, thank you so much for joining us on WellMed Radio. I'm Ron Aaron, along with our co-host, Dr. Marissa Charles. Delighted to be here with you, and uh, we are hunkering down in studio in uh, really battling COVID-19 across this community and across the country. But we're talking about another challenge to folks, and that's flu. The flu season is coming, and uh, this flu has no respect for COVID-19, so you run the risk of ending up with both infections if you're not careful. On our WellMed radio hotline, we're talking with Dr. Derek Young. He's with the WellMed at Windcrest in San Antonio Clinic. And Dr. Young, I know you hear this all the time, and anecdotally we hear it as well. Somebody will say to you, well, you know, Dr. Young, I've had that flu vaccine. I get sick every time. Every time I get the flu, I don't want it again. I'm not going to do it again. What do you do with them? How do you coach them? Those are tough, but, you know, we try to reassure them that the the vaccine itself does not cause um, the flu. There's no live virus particles in the vaccine uh, that we use. And uh, a lot of times we tell them it's probably some type of coincidence or, you know, maybe they've had some type of mild reaction because it's not uncommon to get a a mild reaction such as a slight fever or some aches in the side injection, uh, the injection site. Um, So we try to reassure them and really let them know that, it is really important to get the flu shot. You cannot get it and reinforce that you cannot get the flu from the vaccine itself. Now, I also have some patients that are allergic to eggs. Um, do they, are there options for that? There are options. and They're cell-based uh, vaccines, um, and which actually is what WellMed has moved to this year. We've moved to a cell-based vaccine, so there are no not grown in eggs, so there are no egg components to it. And also the nice thing, too, with the, the single-dose pre-filled syringes, there's no Marisol or that mercury uh, derivative preservative that's there. So um, there, there's some nice uh, options out there now that are available. So pre-filled uh, syringes makes your life easier as well. Well, it's a little right. less time-consuming. It's easier for, for our medical assistants yeah. and our nurses. Exactly. Absolutely. But that's true that they don't have the preservative, um, which I know a lot of patients are concerned about as well. 
turns out falsely, but they're concerned. Absolutely. Right. Now, if you take a look at, uh, and we had mentioned the pneumonia vaccine, we talked about shingles and uh, trying to deal with that issue. Uh, one of the other ones that uh, Marissa and I talked about a couple of weeks ago is tetanus. And uh, how many folks uh, end up with uh, perhaps in an advanced age whooping cough, which is back because they haven't had their combined tetanus shot in a long time. What do you do with your patients? Do you track when that tetanus shot was given? We actually do. We try to make sure that, that we have given that within a 10-year time span, and so it has the tetanus, the diphtheria, and the pertussis, which is that whooping cough that you mentioned. Right. Uh, you know, we were joking. The one question you can ask every patient in the world, when did you get your tetanus shot? Nobody knows. But you keep track of it in, in our medical records, right? That's right. And, you know, I joke with patients that this yeah. is actually an excellent year to get their tetanus vaccine because since it is every 10 years, if they do it on the, you know, 2020. Oh, good idea. You know, then they'll remember in 2030, 2040. The only reason I remember is that I got it when my last child was born. So when she ah. turns 10, I know that I need my booster. And so. That's cool. Yeah. What about other vaccines for what we would consider childhood diseases, but that are coming back like measles? So, Should adults be vaccinated against measles? Dr. Young, I don't know if you have any comments on this one, but um, generally we don't need to have adults revaccinated for measles at this point. Yeah, and I would agree with that. You know, I think the only uh, exception would be those in the healthcare setting, you know, such as Dr. Charles and myself. We we have to make sure that our our antibody titers are appropriate to make sure we have a certain level of immunity. But in general, it's not necessary for, for people. For adults, you know, so we, we get, still recommend the, right, the, the, the MMR vaccination for children, we absolutely recommend. You can get a, a blood test that gives you back a list of what you have antibodies uh, to fight against? There are ways that you can draw titers. Um, we're required to have some of that testing um, through work to make sure that we've been vaccinated against hepatitis B and that we have titers against the, the MMR, the measles and uh, rubella. Um, so, yes, those are things that we do test. We often do that testing during pregnancy as well. So that's something else, where, another place where we see it. And as you take a look at uh, your patient population, although uh, for the oldest of the old uh, many didn't have the kind of vaccines we're talking about, uh, measles and what have you. I didn't. Uh, but the ones that are coming through now, the baby boomers aging through, all would have been, for the most part, vaccinated. Correct. They should be. Mm -hmm. And what do you say to the patient who says, you know, I don't believe in those vaccines. Those, uh, those folks have made a lot of sense to me. Those, uh, uh, what do they call them, anti-vaxxers. How do you turn that around? Dr. Young? Hot potato coming your way. Yeah, yeah, that's another tough one. It it really is tough to to change someone's ideology. Um, so you really just have to speak um, to to really the, the the results that you see and, and the potential complications. So you know, we really try to inform them of this is what could happen and this is what we're avoiding um, and those potential issues that they think are going to occur. Is not something not something you uh, typically see. So we really try to reassure against those negative uh, stereotypes and really try to promote the benefits and the positives. And also, too, when you get these vaccines, you not only help protect you know yourself, you help protect others 
uh, who can't, who may not have the ability or they, they can't get the vaccine for some reason, some other health reason they can't be vaccinated. So it, it provides that what's called herd type of immunity. So we really um, look not just for yourself, but for the community as well. Speaking of tests and vaccines that protect you, I uh, saw a statistic in the uh, news just the other morning that is uh, very, very frightening, and that is 89% of mammograms that normally would have been done have not been done. Women are not going in. Fear, apparently, it's bad enough going for a mammogram because it's not a comfortable thing, so women tell me. But uh, they're afraid of the COVID-19, and so you have a huge percentage, according uh, to folks doing cancer studies and research, who who are going to end up perhaps diagnosed with a later stage cancer. Now, most of your patients, you're probably not doing mammograms any longer, or are you? Well, we continue to do mammograms. Mammograms, generally, we want to do between the ages of 50. Well, you can start as early as 40, but definitely by 50 and all the way to 75. So that is a good chunk of patients that um, do need to continue to do their mammograms. We are recommending mammograms. You know, most of our uh, radiology partners who are performing mammograms are taking every precaution. And, you know, people are wearing masks and proper personal protective equipment to reduce the risk of transmission um, of the COVID virus to any patient. And so we um, we generally are pretty active as far as tracking which of our patients are due for their mammograms. And um, we generally will recommend a mammogram every one to two years. So there are a lot of patients that are electing to do a two-year mammogram instead of doing it just in one year. Um, and we're obviously giving them that option if they prefer to do it every two years because of the situation right now. The test isn't any different, or is it? No. The for test a two-year versus a one-year? No, no. You're just saying, well, you can wait a year. Correct. So, but, you know, obviously we worry about breast cancer and we do want to be able to identify breast cancer in its early stages. And so um, we tend to call our patients up and, and hound them to try to get them to have those um, screenings performed because we do know that there's benefit. Interesting to see if uh, you're seeing that same kind of statistic, patients not going for mammograms. I don't think my percentage, um, because we're so active. Because you hound them hounding our patients. I don't know that we would in WellMed have quite that high a percentage of patients that are um, not, that don't have their mammogram up to date. Um, But yes, that's definitely, and they may be saying as well, you know, maybe they're talking about patients that get them every year versus doing it every two years. So, um, but that is kind of an alarming statistic. So Dr. Young, as you take a look at uh, the flu season, and we've got a couple of minutes left, uh, the flu season that is heading our way, uh, we didn't talk about what the symptoms of flu might be. So typically uh, most folks will have a fever. Um, they will have some muscle aches, uh, muscle pain. Um, they will have fatigue. Um, a lot of times they, do, they may be kind of sweaty. Uh, they just feel, feel really, uh, really bad. They can also have some of the upper respiratory symptoms too, such as the congestion um, uh, in the runny nose. And so... Uh, again, those are very similar to the COVID-19 symptoms and maybe other respiratory illnesses. So that's why one of the reasons we really are trying to promote the flu vaccine, because if we can decrease the risk of the flu, we can take that out of the equation when we're trying to assess uh, for respiratory illness and if we're looking at COVID-19. How common is respiratory illness? 
Um, they're very common, um, especially as we move into the fall and winter months. Uh, it's very common. Of course, you have common colds, too, that may present uh, very similarly, and some people have severe allergies that can also have a fever. Um, so it, it, I would say it's very common. You got a neighbor across the street with uh, COPD who has a terrible time breathing, uh, and I talked to him about it, and he, uh, you know, he's deathly afraid of COVID-19 if uh, he's in that high-risk group. Yes, it, you know, it's really important to, to remember some of those things that we talked about preventing COVID-19, and it will help prevent uh, the other uh, respiratory illnesses. You know, we do have a vaccine for the flu, but for everything else, you know, we want to continue to promote washing washing our hands often, wearing that face covering in public where it covers your mouth and your nose, and then also maintaining that social or physical distancing. You know, we talk about six feet, but that should be the minimum. If we can do more, that would be great. And, of course, avoiding those large crowds. So. I'm really, I'm really forward to continue to do that. Have you been watching any of the Major League Baseball games where they have paper fans in the stands? <laughs> I did see that. I, yeah, I saw one. Yeah, you haven't watched it, Dr. Young? No, I have not seen it. I heard they were going to do that. Oh, it's pretty interesting to see. Yeah. It's moral support, I guess, for the players. And, and they play uh, through the sound system crowd noise so that uh, players have a sense that the crowd's there. It's all... Uh, you know, made up for TV, really. I'm sure psychologically it's it's helpful for them, you, you know, to that. get that sensation. that Right, you need that boost. That the crowd is there. Well, we are flat out of time, Dr. Young. Thank you so much. Appreciate you uh, bailing out of Beaumont and moving up to San Antonio and being part of our team here. Thank you. Well, thank you. I appreciate it. Okay, you take care. Dr. Derek right. Young, Wellmet at Wincrest here in San Antonio. I'm Ron Aaron along with our co-host, Dr. Marissa Charles. Thanks for listening to us right here on WellMed Radio on 9.30 a.m. The Answer. Thank you for listening to WellMed Radio, a service of WellMed Medical Management. We welcome your emails with suggestions and comments on this program at radio at wellmed.net. And please be sure to tune in next week for another edition of WellMed Radio.